0: Hey guys, welcome back to a Chinese team talking about Islam podcast. I know I missed the Monday deadline because I said in the previous episode that I'm gonna have like a regular schedule where I um, posted every episode on Mondays, but I just, I don't know. I just did not post it <laughs> on Monday. And I'm guilty of that and it's currently Wednesday so I think you'll be listening to this on Thursday I guess but let's see um I don't know I just feel like I should do a little bit recap because it has already been a week um a lot of things has a lot of things have happened actually first I have been dealing with a lot of college application things and and second some exciting news that I'm finally having some kind of sort of human interaction but still on discord <laughs> so it's kind of pathetic but that's totally fine for me because it's definitely better than usual like usually I don't have any human interaction with my peers or anyone in general um Simon my parents So it's a good thing. At least I have been talking with my peers for a couple of hours each week. And I've been talking to a couple of my friends on Discord for two hours this afternoon. So it's kind of like, yeah, I feel good. Because at least I'm having um, some kind of conversation going on. At least the conversation may be a little bit boring or just me listening to their... um, stories of playing video games or something but whatever um you can actually gain a lot of perspectives because a lot of those people um are from different countries like spain france um great britain australia um and philippines so it's super fun and if you are interested in joining the discord i think y'all probably know what the discord i'm talking about but it's the teenager discord you know the subreddit (laughs) don't tell anyone that i'm actually in that subreddit and we're also in a sarcastic discord server called the loser club so if you're interested you can definitely hit me up on social media so i can invite you to that um the loser club just kidding okay whatever um i'm gonna talk a little bit about the music that i'm currently listening to um Right now, my favorite song is probably, I guess, Sanctuary by Joji, um, and, um, probably, you know, a YouTuber named Taylor Webb, her songs, her original songs are so good, and if you're, um, that country songs kind of fan, so you can definitely check her out, because her songs are so good. and some of those are actually breakup songs so if you're not into that kind of genre um, you should probably um, just ignore what i just said but whatever when do you guys go back to school like my school actually starts in like a week and a half so i just I'm really interested in the time that you guys go back to school because some of my friends are going back to school the day after tomorrow just Friday so it's kind of um, a shock to me and some of my friends um, who are from India they actually don't have summer break so their summer started back in the middle of May and then ended at the beginning of July because um, in July and August it would have some heavy thunderstorm and um, rain going on so it's technically not summer for them and this summer has not been great for me because first off I'm a rising senior so a lot of things are happening and second I just feel like this summer passed so quickly like I went to down uh, for my field trip and then when I came back it feels like it has just been a few weeks, but it has actually been a month already, because it's currently August 11th, and it's 8.23pm, <laughs> and I'm listening to some Twitch Save Animal Crossing Lo-Fi Chill Hot Mix. Oh, I've been watching Twitch streams lately, but not necessarily, like, watching, because it's kind of boring, right? Why are you watching someone playing video games or talking? It just doesn't make sense. So I've been listening to Twitch streams because there are some cool um, singers out there who um, sing um, in their streams. So it's kind of fun um, because I'm super new to uh, the whole Twitch thing. So yeah. By the way, shout out to bennett happy 18th birthday and i wish you definitely the best and i'm so um also looking forward to what you are going to achieve in college because i believe that you are going to do amazing for the next four years so yeah shout out to bennett and now let's get right into the main topic of today's episode Remember that in the last episode, I talked that I'm going to base my next research paper around nationalism and Islam, or maybe I did not mention it, but whatever, that's totally fine because I asked my mentor teacher and that professor, and he recommended that I should um, abandon two ideas from out of my three ideas, which are basically, first, why are Islam and nationalism incompatible? And that's... Um, the main focus of our previous episode, and the second idea is in the 20th century, what are the political influences that Islam had to unite Muslim identity? And the third one is in the 21st century, what are the consequences of Islam's not so modern attribute? And are there any solutions? So he's decided that, or he suggested, I should focus on the first, and that's something that I agree with, because, well, the first one is, a very small cut i guess a very specific perspective and idea however the um third and the second ideas are a little bit like broad and generic in general um, and it's also hard to identify those questions because, like the third one, it says the consequences of Islam's not so modern attribute. Then I have to go on a field trip to the Middle East to understand the consequences because I'm not living in Islamic country. I'm living in a secular country and the most secular country in the world. So it's not going to happen, and it's it's super difficult for me to uh, um, act to have access to the most straightforward um questions so i decided that i'm going to try to research on the incompatibility between islam and nationalism or um in other words like nationalism in islam so that's the intro and you probably get the main idea of what this episode is going to be about so y'all probably have already known that i am very interested in Turkishness, Turkish um, secularization, and so um, anything, basically anything about Turkey. Um, I'm not from Turkey, obviously, but it's a long story. I don't know if I should talk about that story here, but I have read an amazing academic book called Turkey, Islam, Nationalism, and Modernity, um, written by Carter Findlay. So, um he called this book a history from 1789 to 2007 so uh, this book is going to incorporate the past from the ottoman empire to the contemporary um society of turkey so i'm very excited to share this book with y'all so let's get right to it okay if we have to uh, discuss the relationship between nationalism and islam we have to discuss um this um, the history of nationalism first and this also reminds me of that supplemental essay prompt from Chapel Hill and it asks you how the history um, shape you how does the history shape you and that that is the question so we have to discuss the history of nationalism and the rise of nationalism as a creed some of the characteristics of nationalism may be witnessed in the tribal system of the Greek city-state many thousands of years ago um, but nationalism as a political, social, and ideological school of thought took birth in the West following the French Revolution. So it's a modern concept. Rousseau was one of the greatest advocates of this um, nationalism concept as a creed. He emphasized the unity, solidarity of the society, and the school spirit. Um, damn no not a school spirit the group spirit of the masses and insisted that one should have the highest attachment to one's home and country where one has been brought up. he believed that a fatherland and a motherland to be the core and center of a person's identity and a group's love and loyalty he elevated this belief to sacred religious duty and severely condemned the idea of mankind's collective attachment or a religious societal order so, the main fabric of the School of Nationalism was laid by the French Revolution, just like I mentioned before, where it was first put to practice. It was then that the stimulation of emotions towards the flag of the country, the song, the national anthem, and glorification of the worship of national heroes, the composition of the anthem, the emphasis of the um, sanctity of the French language and race, the creation of festivals and ceremonies and the style of religious rites, a pride in history of friends and a belief in the great mission of the French nation emerged and displayed themselves one after another in a course of revolution and formed a comprehensive and a well-rounded um, value of nationalism. But with the rise of another um, political party called the Jacobins, um, they, rise to, they rose to power and the disasters um, came Um, Nationalism became the means to toy with the masses feelings, general mobilization, aggression upon neighboring countries, expansionism, massacre, corruption, suppression, and self-interest. And we also call this type of behaviors and actions um, a representation of extreme nationalism. To the Jacobins, um, French interests were their basis for decisions. With the um, progressive influence of the French revolution in the West, the concept of nationalism rapidly gained popularity um, around the world, and the rise of Napoleon um, quickened its pace in the West, and Napoleon was a staunch believer in a creative nationalism, and... As we shall see, he was the first to scatter its seed in the Islamic world. His strong sense of nationalism lay the grounds for ex- expansionistic and aggressive policies. The wars and massacres had encouraged the spirit of domination of the French nation, and soon other nations were contaminated with nationalistic sentiments. In Germany and Italy, the spirit rose rapidly, and in the name of nationalism, horrible crimes like the massacres of other races were committed and a desperate fa- um, fight for power was started and we can also see this type of trend in some um, Western as well as Asian countries and the Second World War. And fast forward to the 19th century. This century is called the Golden Age of Nationalism. It was in that century that um, Thomas Jefferson um, set up the foundations for American nationalism. In Britain, um, another person called Jeremy Bentham gave nationalism a new scope. Um, British nationalism reached its height um, in this century um, is spread as an intellectual movement and school in the whole of central and Western Europe and a person called Mazzini and I guess all of you guys are very familiar with this person um, he rose in Italy and he is regarded as one of the greatest theoreticians of the school of nationalism in the 19th century other great um, propounders and Those people of nationalism in the century, like um, Victor Hugo in Friends and Otto Bismarck in Germany. And when we look into the third world, where imperialism has already become very, very prevalent and um, crucial, um, the political clashes and conflicts of Western governments, as well as the spread of nationalism also greatly um, affected the third world. History has shown that nationalism has been far more destructive than constructive to those countries. British-French colonialist policies and aggressions and expansionism of Napoleon III and Bismarck proved that the deceptive slogans of Western nationalism and liberalism were empty covers and dead inside and excuses for enslaving oppressed people from the third world. And after the World War, when the colonialism um, just dismantled and a lot of countries from the third world in Africa, in Asia, and in South America, they all looked forward to a a new type of nationalism that is not toxic and that's positive in building new nations for themselves. Thus, this is also related to colonial colonization sorry so uh, c- colonialism and capitalism were two other factors which encouraged this spread of nationalism and we're still going to talk about the 19th century the westerners embarked on a fearful race of colonization like a race and plundering the third world countries they ponded upon asian and african nations like bloodthirsty wolves which um those actions they um they have in order to keep Doing those things, they badly needed a strong ideology to justify their actions and crimes, and at the same time to provide a motive for further plunder and colonization and, and um, exploitation. Thus, in the heat of these attempts at colonization, nationalism rose and this ideology and excuse um, for, for those people. The school of nationalism in connection with colonization play three significant parts. So first, it's the source of colonization, the intense patriotic propaganda and feelings, a belief in national and racial superiority, like, um, a tribal pride and glorification of one's own history and heroes and figures and so many other elements really provide the ground for political expansion expansionism and provide the excuses for some of their actions and crimes that they committed in third world countries. Second, nationalism was a means to justify colonization and savage acts of western colonizer under the guise of quote-unquote national exigencies or the quote-unquote revival of one's greatness. And third, it was the strong motive force which maintained a spirit of colonization. By kindling these intense patriotic feelings of the people and a spirit of self-sacrifice, it can really strengthen the military and improve their um, colonization um, and the movements. Then, like we said, um, during the 19th century, um, along with colonization and a lot of crimes and actions that only concerns the self-interest of um, European countries. Um, um, States like Islamic states, like the Ottoman Empire, were inevitably um, involved in the spread of nationalism as those troops and those expansionism policies expanded to the Islamic world and you should understand that nationalism is actually an important concept to most Asian and African countries. It has been exported by exploiting powers to disturb the unity and the sense of solidarity of Islamic world, some Western thinkers and Orientalists who have always strived to introduce Western political and cultural colonization in Asia and Africa provide a ground for its rise in the so-called enlightened groups, depending on the West acted as its banner bearers, propounding this school of thought of nationalism. Western colonizing governments have always considered the unity of the world of Islam, which they call the Pan-Islamism, a potential danger to their political, religious, and cultural and economic interests and identities. At the end of 19th century, inspired by the idea of Said, um, Jamal al-Din, and Sultan Hamid, these um, they started talks about the unity of world Muslims and the uni- union and solidarity of the Turks and Arabs and Ottoman Empire, and those. Thoughts and those um, trends prevented the inroad of Western values and ideas in a critical and strategic Middle East zone. Colonizing powers felt the danger and adopted policy which unfortunately proved effective. This was the infusion of the idea of nationalism and the awakening of national sentiments among the Arabs and Turks in order to check Pan-Islamism and thereby divide the Great Ottoman Empire and replace the declining influence of the Ottomans by the power of Western colonization. So they placed the sense of nationalism as a strategy to dismantle the Ottoman empires and the pan-Islamism and the sense of unity that the Middle East zone created in the 19th century. So it is noteworthy that nationalism um, rose first, not in the Muslim lands, which were under British and French domination, but in regions which formed part of the Ottoman Empire. Ottoman Empire was not colonized at that time. Yeah, I think you should know that. In India, which was a British colony, such westernized intellectuals um, such as Ahmad Kahan found no need to rely on nationalism, national um, sentiments, and were still occupied with the thought of economic and educational improvement of the Muslims. They even took an imposing stand against the nationalism of the Hindu Congress Party. In Algeria and Sudan, it was Islam that stood in the persons of the Mahdi, um, Sudanese and Algerian um, figure against colonization but there was no sign of nationalism in Malaysia and Indonesia and Muslim lands of the Far East um, which were directly under British and French domination westernized intellectuals believed there was no need to rouse nationalistic feelings. On the other hand these intellectuals who were dependent in col- on colonization raised a cry of nationalism in the lands of the Ottoman Empire namely Turkey, Egypt and an Arab lands. Uh, lands in order to overthrow the Ottoman rule and pave the way for their own influence and expansion. So there there was a clear contrast between the Ottoman Empire and other regions um, that were maybe colonized or not colonized. This fact clearly shows that those who sympathized with nationalism in Islamic lands did not claim independence out of nationalism, but were motivated by something quite different. There were the surrogates of Western colonizers who could be used to break up Islamic unity and weaken or destroy the Ottoman Empire. Now we see that why in Iran of that time the westernized intellectuals did not so strongly support the idea of nationalism as was done in Turkey, Egypt, Syria, and Le- Lebanon Lebanon, sorry, by their allies, since Iran did not form part of the Ottoman Empire. Moreover, at that time, Iran had little connection with the world of Islam, owing to its excessive reliance um, of the Qajar kings on the prejudicial differences between the Shia and Sunni Muslims, and the colonial powers did not think it probable that Iran would join the great union of world Muslims. Therefore, they felt secure, and all their efforts were directed at making the Western culture and system be a root in Iran, and prevent a religious government from assuming power So in Iran, the emphasis was laid on a question of the constitution, Western democracy, and liberal thoughts of the West instead of the spread of nationalism. So why were the Muslim lands of Istanbul, Cairo, um, preoccupied with the idea of nationalism? Why was this longing for nationalism at the end of 19th century Concurrent with the height of colonial expansion? Why did Arabs and Turks, the targets of nationalism, confront each other? Why was there no talk of British or French colonialism? Why did nationalistic sentiments become popular in the realm of the Ottoman Empire but not in those countries invaded by Western colonialism? Why is it that following the dissolution of the Ottoman Empire as a result of intense nationalistic Sentiments, colonialism rapidly succeeded in swallowing the Middle East. Answers to these questions may be found in a wide dimension of Western colonial interference for the creation and expansion of nationalism in the world of Islam. And we can say that Napoleon and Frenchmen as pioneers of Egyptian nationalism But to be honest, I wish to focus on the Turkish nationalism and three jewels as inspires of Turkish nationalism. So Turkey was another of the first Islamic countries where the school of nationalism found its way. Um, Bernard Lewis, the well-known Orientalist, confesses that three European jewels inspired the spirit of nationalism in Turkey. The first person was Arthur David. Um, He was an English Jew who traveled to Turkey and wrote a book called Preliminary Discourses in which he tried to show how the Turks were a distinguished and independent race, superior to the Arabs and other oriental areas and races. Um, Lewis writes, quote-unquote, the book of this English Jew made the Turks imagine themselves as having a distinct nationality and independence and superiority. Before the spread in indoctrination of Western ideas, no sign seen of nationalism in the Ottoman Empire, even until the beginning of the present century, of 19th century. The Turks did not consider the Arabs as aliens, and the Arabs looked upon the Turkey, um, Turkish people in the same way. The Arabs were content to be included in Ottoman Empire on account of being of the same religion, and the Turks respected them because of their culture and knowledge of Arabic was considered a sign of learning. In the revolution of 1908 against um, the person Abdul Hamid, the Sultan, there was at least two Arab officers among the leaders, but the book of the Sayyid Assad jewel gradually convinced some self sold and dependent intellectuals and politicians like the leaders of the Yan Turks movement of the superiority of the Turkish race. So we can see that the superiority of one's, um, like the self-awareness of one's superiority of the race will actually spur the way of nationalism in some cases, like in Turkish cases. But the person who had the greatest and biggest role in the creation of Turkish and Arab nationalism was the famous orientalist, another orientalist, Vanbury, the son of the Jewish Hungarian priest. He published many works on the necessary the revival of Turkish nationality, language, and literature, and tradition. His works intensely captivated the intention of westernized so-called, so-called enlightened Turks and incited their patriotism. He was closely acquainted with the Turkish statesmen and politicians of the first rank also. One of the main aims of the Jews incited nationalistic sentiment was to pave the way for the occupation of Palestine. The Jews and their unsuccessful contact with Sultan Hamid to secure Palestinian territories for Jewish emigrants came to the conclusion that the only way to fulfill their dream was to overthrow pro- um I'm sorry. The Sultan hamid and break up islam and arab and turkish unity under the cover of nationalism and through encouraging the creation of the young turks movements zionism first succeeded in de- deposing um, well sultan hamid imprisoning him and laying the ground for insane differences and enmity between the turks and arabs so uh, when they're having fights with the arabs turks will not help them these plots of Zionism and colonialism gave birth to the Young Turks movement which resulted in the revolution of 1908 and the dis- disposal of um, the Sultan Hamid, the Young Turks who executed the Zionist scheme embarked on a pan-Turkish policy based on a belief of the superiority of their race. So they adopted an anti-Arab stand, closed down Arab cultural societies to begin acts of discrimination against the Arabs and non-Turks, a conduct which was in line with the direct plots of British colonialism in rousing Arab nationalism. So Zionism and imperialism and their discrimination towards the Arabs, on the one hand, and inciting inciting Arab nationalism and their opposition to the Turks on the other. So it's two-sided. Until this time, the Arabs did not consider themselves a separate race, but as the Turks were seeking the superiority of their Turkish culture over... Um, arabic cultures the arabs too insisted upon their own independent identity it was the racial and nationalistic policies of the young turks that kindled the fame, flame of arab nationalism a matter which as we saw was directly supported by, by the british so there are um clear differences between um the actions that um incite or kindle the flames of nationalism for turkish people French people and British people incited the flame at some point and they utilized um, some westernized Young Turks um, and utilized this movement to uh, um, and those jewels to uh, with those jewels to uh, achieve their own personal interests and goals. However, Arabs were kind of how can I say this like they were forced to uh, react to the differences and change, and that's why they also developed a sense of um, nationalism and ra- racial superiority. So it is actually pretty clear that the nationalism in the Islamic lands was incited by the Westerners, in particular the British and French missionaries and scholars and Orientalists. So, it was then expended by colonial plots and used by colonialism as a tool for breaking up Islamic unity and destroying the Ottoman Empire in particular. In this connection, Christian and Jewish minorities and pro-Western intellectuals were the principal executors of these imperialistic plans and excuses and actions. Almost all the banner bearers and famous pioneers of nationalism and Islamic lands were those who copied the Western values and ideals. With the inroad of Western ideals, word like homeland, patriotism became very popular with the Arabs, Turks, and Iranians. Nationalism was the stealthy and motivated imitation of Western models dictated by colonial powers, eventually resulting in the dependence of those cultures, countries upon the West or East. The fact that for many years the main supporters of Egyptian nationalism and Arab nationality and other Islamic nat- nations were France and Britain is more eloquent than words. Those brilliant records of colonization, and at present, the biggest supporter of nationalist forces of Turkey and Ar- Iran is the U.S. So uh, the history was pretty much all over again in a contemporary world. And the supporter of the um, ba- ba- atheists and some Arab countries is the Soviet Union. The important question that arises is why the idea of nationalism, which penetrated Islamic lands through Western ideas and colonial plots, was welcomed by some sections of the Muslim masses and how did it expand? So firstly, the masses could not see the difference between patriotism and nationalism into their unconscious mind. Both concepts seem to denote the same idea of that Ummahism in Islamic world, from the beginning. Um, it had created a strong feeling of the Uma and had divided the world into the house of Islam and a house of war. The masses believed nationalism to be the same as umayism and therefore welcomed it. The reason was that even though the people sometimes spoke of nationalism, yet in practice they regarded a Christian Egyptian and Coptic Egyptian beyond the sphere of nationality. In Turkish... Armenians as aliens actually to the masses um to the public nationalism and islamic umayyism meant one and the same thing secondly contrary to the main pioneers of nationalism who propagated it as a result of their dependence on colonial powers in the west the public manifested nationalistic sentiments in opposition to social ty- tyranny or to the colonial influence of britain and france to the mm, public masses nationalism was a sentiment not a school but to the western so-called enlightened class and politicians it was an ideology and a political creed and strategy the third factor behind the growth of nationalism among the masses and the public was the injustice of the selfish um, governments which inflicted oppression and torture upon the people while the ottoman empire was on the brink of collapse turkish rulers like um, other selfish rulers of history treated their subordinates oppressively in, um, including not only the Arabs but the Turkish peasants after young Turks assumed power tyranny and discrimination became prevalent an outcome of Turkish nationalism which led to the spread of nationalistic sentiments among the Arabs of which colonialism made the utmost up- use. The most recent example of a country where nationalism is fully manifested is Bangladesh resulting from tyrannical conduct of Pakistan's military dictators. So thank you guys so much for listening to this part one of the relationship between nationalism and Islam. In this episode, we talked about a history of the inroad of nationalism to the Islamic world, in particular the Ottoman Empire and um, those three jewels as inspirers of Turkish nationalism. I did not talk about um, Egyptian nationalism because like I said, I want to f- focus on Turkishness and Turkish nationalism because that's um, something that I'm in particular interested in and we also talked about a little bit about the history of nationalism um how westerners and colonizers used it as a strategy and a creed and where this idea originated from and we also talked about the bond between nationalism and capitalism and colonialism And in the second part of this topic, which I will be discussing in the next episode, we are going to talk about or like briefly mention the shortcomings of nationalism, which is a very um, um, popular public, um, like, sorry, what did I say again? A very popular topic to discuss in these days and also the dangers of nationalism. And then we are going to talk about Um, some very fundamental questions like factor of unity, faith, or nationality, the attachment of blood and race from the Islamic viewpoint, and um, their relationship as two opposite poles. So if you're interested in this kind of topic, um, feel free to check the links in the description box somewhere. Um, So you can get the information that um, I provide. You with. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And I know this is a weird um, episode because I talk super, super fast and the music is a little bit weird and weird and loud. And I talked just super, super fast. And sometimes it's hard to really listen to what I'm really talking about, but I will definitely try to change that shortcoming of me talking. So yeah. And I will see you guys next week. Bye!